Welcome to the New Freedom Church Podcast. This podcast will help you grow deeper in your faith through weekly 30-minute talks. If you haven't already done so, go ahead and hit that subscribe button so you get each new episode as it's released. Now sit back and relax as God speaks to you through this message. Today we're going to be concluding our series on the I Am statements of Jesus found in the Gospel of John. There are seven of those statements that are found throughout, and you can go back and pick up any of those uh, at our website that you may have missed. But uh, last week, I shared with you the statement that I uh, deem to be probably uh, the most difficult to hear in the ears of a person who is really wrestling with God, a person who is, is really not quite sure if they want to fully surrender, because last week's statement was probably the most offensive statements of all of the I am statements. And it's not that Jesus goes out of his way to try to be offensive. It's just that Jesus did not tend to sugarcoat the message the way that many of us would like to sugarcoat the message. The the Bible tells us that the message of the cross is an offense to those who are perishing. And sometimes the most loving thing you can do is confront someone with the kind of truth that Jesus brings. And he said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And here's the offensive part. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus claimed for exclusivity. In a world of inclusiveness, Jesus is the exclusive way to God. We know that the way, the truth, and the life is a person. It is Jesus. In a culture that highly apprises you to speak your truth and to declare what your experience has been that has formed your truth. I can certainly sympathize with your journey. I could even get on the same page with you according to your experiences. We can empathize and we can hear about the the kind of path that, that you have been on. But really, you and I don't have a truth. We have opinions. We are entitled to our opinions. Jesus is the truth. Somebody believe that, say amen. And the life. And so today I want to share with you not an offensive statement of Jesus, not, not one that is, is misconstrued in that way, but probably the, the I am statement that is the most misunderstood of all of the I am statements. And because uh, the, the way that, that maybe we don't uh, think in terms of, of uh, crop culture and agrarian culture like they were in Jesus' day, we kind of misconstrue what this is actually uh, trying to develop and to say to us. And so I want to share with you the final I am statement of Jesus in John chapter 15. I want to read verses 1 through 8 so that we can get the context of what he's going to say. And I've highlighted uh, in bold a couple of words here that I want us to go back to and rehearse in just a moment. Here's what Jesus says. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. So we see that there are a couple of roles being defined right here. Jesus is the true vine, and the Father is the one that tends, takes care of, or the, the, the one that is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. Here it is again. I am the vine, you are the branches. So we see that Jesus is the vine, 
The father is the one that tends the vine, the vine dresser. And what are you and I? What are we? The disciples of Jesus. He tells us what we are. We are the branches. That's our role is the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. Somebody say much fruit. For apart from me, you can do no thing. You can do nothing. Apart from God, you can do nothing. If someone wants to theologically challenge that in their mind because they say, Pastor, I made it all my life. I haven't relied on God and I can do a lot of things. I can do a lot of things under my own strength and my own capabilities and, and ways to figure it out. But according to Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, according to the person of truth, Jesus is saying, yeah, but in spiritual terms, apart from the vine, there's nothing that you can do. Verse six, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and uh, withers and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit. Everybody say much fruit. And so prove that you are my disciples. Did you realize that by bearing much fruit for God is proof positive that you belong to Jesus? It is a, 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 a checklist that has been marked that says you belong to Jesus as his disciple. So he talks about this true vine. And if there is a true vine by nature, it must also tell us that there is a false vine or there are false vines. If Jesus is the, the true vine, the one that we are really looking for, then we should also be alert and, and our minds should read this and say, ah, there are other vines that do not give the kind of life support and the life source that Jesus gives. So Jesus is the one I am searching for. Jesus is the true vine to be connected to. And then he talks about the father as the vine dresser, the tender of the vines. And he says something about the nature of, of his work. The father's work is that if he sees no fruit on the vine at all, what's he do? He cuts it off, throws it on the side, it withers and it gets thrown into the fire to be burned. It's good for nothing. If it has no fruit on it, then it just gets cut off. Now, if there's a little bit of fruit on it, then what does the vine dresser do? The vine dresser cuts it, prunes it, tends it, takes care of it, nourishes it, adds a little miracle grow to it like we would do, right? Get a little bit more fruit. No, they didn't have that back then, but this is my message. I'll preach it how I want to. Little, little, little miracle grow on there. That's the, that's, the father does that. And when we look at this in context, we think, well, looking at a little bit of fruit, but then cutting that back seems a little bit cruel, doesn't it? Doesn't pruning, the whole process of pruning seem on the surface to be a little bit mean? I mean, after all, it does have a little bit of fruit. Give it a chance, God. Let it grow a little bit. But see, the vine dresser knows something about farming that you and I don't know, is that a little bit of fruit indicates that there's enough life flow to it that now it needs a little help along. And the best help that it can give is to cut away that which is not producing so that the little fruit can turn into much fruit. Because we just read that by having much fruit, by bearing much fruit, it is to the glory of the Father and it is proof positive who we belong to. So when fruit is showing up in our lives, it is proof positive that God is receiving the glory and that we belong to him. Now, pruning is not pleasant in the moment. Anybody ever been like that branch and been pruned a little bit? Anybody ever been cut on a little bit, spiritually speaking? 
Come on, it, the Lord chastens those whom he loves. If you've been pruned in here, you just need to lift up your hand and say, thank you, Jesus, that you love me today. Thank you, Father, that you love me enough to correct me today. Thank you that you have seen a little bit of fruit, but you want more. And therefore, in your loving kindness, though it doesn't feel good in the moment, what you are doing in me now is going to yield an exceeding weight of glory later. This is the pruning process of God. You can read it all throughout the scriptures. God never called a perfect saint. None of the writers of the scripture were ever perfect people. None of those who penned the word uh, were, were, were some kind in some trance and, and there was a, a spiritual download like this, this revelation came to a blank mind and they wrote and then they looked and said, wow, what did I write? No, these were men and women who were moved upon by the word of God, by the, the spirit of God to write and to declare the words of God. Men and women who were moved upon by the spirit of God moved to write and to declare the words of God. And so this is a work of the Lord. And so all of us are in need, at different junctures, different times of our lives to be corrected, to be directed, to be cut and pruned, and so that we can bear more fruit and much fruit. And so this is the job of the vine dresser is that he looks down and he says, okay, here's how I can work with this one. Here's how I can work with that one. This is what I can do to get a bountiful crop out of my children. Now, six times in these eight verses, we see the words to bear fruit, to bear, to, to bear. But zero times do we see the words produce or create. And this is the big misunderstanding to this I am statement of Jesus. When Jesus says, I am the true vine and you are the branches, we think somehow because of our maybe our mindset, our context of, of theological training up to this point, you know, much of what we've learned theologically came through the Reformation. And so there is this works contract with the Reformation. Now, none of us would, would say in this room that, it, that we can earn our salvation by our works. We wouldn't say that intellectually because we know the word doesn't confirm that. But many times the way that we operate, the way that we act towards others is that we are trying to earn our way into heaven. We're trying to be good enough, whatever good enough is. We're trying to keep all of the rules so that God is happy with us and we enter in somehow to his favor and so then we get to heaven. And here's the misunderstanding in this is that six times we are told to bear fruit, zero times we are told to produce fruit. Somebody asked me one time at, at the end of a, a prayer meeting, why is it that some people don't get healed? And, and what do you do when someone comes to the line and they ask for healing and they ask for a blessing and it doesn't happen? And I tell them, that's very simple. I'm in sales, not production. It's God's job to do the production. All I'm doing is telling what his word has already said. I am proclaiming the good news of the gospel. When you and I get the emphasis on the wrong syllable, and think that we somehow have the ability to produce something that only the Spirit of God can produce, then is when we fall into big trouble. Amen. Because when the fruit doesn't arrive out of our effort or out of our diligence or because we've studied the Bible a lot this week or because we prayed extra hard, when something doesn't happen and turn out the way that we wanted and it's not produced because of our efforts, then we get confused. But we, we should not be confused because Jesus never told us to produce fruit. He only told us to be fruit bearers. If you take a, a, a lump of grapes and you disconnect those grapes from the vine, this is probably the, the analogy that Jesus was referring to in their culture is, is they would have had in their mind's eye, uh, the fruit of the vine would be a grape. And so if you take a lump of fruit, 
like grapes, and you disconnect them from the vine, you immediately recognize something about that fruit. It may look good on the disconnected vine, especially if it's in the grocery store and it's been chemically enhanced and it's been washed just right and the lights are coming down on it just perfect. You ever, ever get that, that produce home, those, those fruits and vegetables home, and you think, this doesn't look as good at home the next day as it did in the store the day before. Well, you don't have the same lighting. You don't have the same care. You don't have the same container that they have. There's a reason that they make them look good because being disconnected from the vine puts a time stamp on that fruit. We know that you better eat that pretty quickly because it is dying. Disconnected from the vine, that lump looks pretty good and you can make something out of it today, tomorrow, maybe even the next day. But if you go back three weeks later and those grapes that you bought, what's gonna happen? They're not gonna be very desirable, right? Disconnected from the vine, the grapes begin to die that very moment. Connected to the vine, you can go up and you can grab a grape off of a vine, you can put it in your mouth, and it's good, it will taste good. It's still living. It's connected to the life force. And so what Jesus is saying here is that connected to the vine, you will bear, you will carry the fruit that is being grown as a result of the life coming through the vine into the branch and onto that fruit. So there's a timestamp on something that is disconnected, but that which is connected continues to grow. It's vibrant and it lives. We are called to bear fruit. I was doing this study and I was thinking about all the, the things that we bear, all the, all the different areas of, of our life. We, we, we take a word and in English, um, we, we have a vernacular that one word can mean multiple different things. You know what I mean? Like, like the word, we say love. I love my spouse. I love my children. I love my house. I love my car. I love my favorite meal. Do I love them all the same? No. There's, there's a variance. And so we, we take different words. And, and one of the things I was thinking about when I looked at the word bear is uh, one of the favorite things that I do in a, in a wedding ceremony, and it's always at the risk of the bride and groom, is when they want to have a ring bearer. I say, it's always a risk to have a ring bearer. One, one is, if you put the actual ring on that pillow, they could end up losing the ring. And they get all cute, and they're walking down the aisle, and this is so great, and the little flower girl, and there's the ring bearer. And we get to the end of the service where it's okay, to, who has the ring? And it's not the best man that has the ring, but it was supposed to be on that pillow, and the ring bearer doesn't have the pillow, or he does, but there's no ring on the pillow. You know, that's kind of an embarrassing moment. It's happened, trust me. So that's one risk, you could lose the ring. The other risk is the ring bearer may actually take the advice of the pastor who gives him the instructions in the rehearsal. When he comes up and a little six-year-old says, what do I do? And I said, well, you're a ring bearer. All you do is growl. <laughs> then they come down the aisle and they're growling. They're being a ring bearer, right? That's not the kind of bearing we're talking about. But Jesus said that we are to bear or to carry or clothe ourselves with this kind of fruit. Bearing is a term used to display a load capacity. For display or a load capacity. You might look at in an I-beam and say, how much weight can that beam bear? It's not an animal. It's, not, it, it, it's, it's holding something. It's bearing the weight. Dr. Carmen Joy Imes professor of Old Testament Biola University, she says that compared to bearing in the Old Testament, this would be like the breastplate of Aaron, who had the 12 stones of the tribes of Israel. 
that when he would go before God in worship, he would put on his ephod and he would put on the breastplate, which was a plate of righteousness, and it bared the 12 stones of Israel. In other words, he was putting on, he was bearing the righteousness of God represented in these 12 stones for the tribes that God said, those are mine. I have sealed a nation. I have sealed a people. That is my seed. By that seed, the entire ends of the earth will be blessed. The constant connection you have to the life-giving flow of the true vine will determine the strength of your ability as a branch to sustain, the, to sustain the weight of what is intended to grow on the branches. So as you are connected to the vine, the true vine of Jesus, as you stay connected to Jesus, there is a life-giving force of the Spirit of God that's coming through you, and there is now growth of fruit that is in your life, that you are to bear on the tree of your life that others may see and not glorify you, but glorify God. Now we get into trouble when we have a strength in an area over here and our fruit's really strong, but there's a weakness here. And so we just put that fruit back here, but we really want to display and bear the fruit we're really good at, right? Because we think somehow that we had something to do with that, a giftedness, a talent, some kind of special call on our lives. But Jesus is saying that if you're connected to the true vine, there will be different fruit that will grow on your life and people will see that and they will glorify the Father. It is to God's glory that fruit develops in our lives. Which brings us to Galatians chapter 5 where we find the fruit of the Spirit. Now, I will tell you, these are not the only fruit of the Spirit. There are many more fruit of the Spirit, just like uh, gifts of the Spirit in the Bible. There are a couple of chapters, uh, 1 Corinthians 14, we talk about the gifts, 1 Corinthians 12, you, you can look at there and you can see some gifts. There are way more than 21 gifts of the Spirit, even though there are about 21 areas that are specifically identified. There are a lot more. Just like here, we, we have these eight fruit of the Spirit. There are a lot more than just this in the Scriptures. But here are five that Paul talked about in Galatians. In verse 22, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such, there is no law. Against such, there is no law. Now, I would be remiss if I didn't share my favorite story about the fruit of the Spirit that one of our elders shared with me a couple years ago. Jeff and Debbie Weaver have a, a grandson named Lincoln. I hope I get this, this story right. But he had just learned about the fruit of the Spirit in, in a Bible class at his church. And a little bit later in that week, his older sister was kind of picking on him, doing some things she shouldn't do. And he looked at her with boldness and he said, Primi, the fruit of the Spirit said, you deserve a spanking. <laughs> Did I get that about right? <laughs> See, so from the mouth of babes, God is perfected praise. Even from a little child, we understand that these are the desired results of a life lived with God. These are the desired things of a life lived with God. But let's look at them with a little specificity here. Let's look in and dive in just a little bit for each of them. Uh, you could do an entire uh, message on each and every one of them, but I just want to uh, highlight a couple things about each of them. When it talks about love, the God kind of love, this is the word agape in the Greek, and the God kind of love is a love without preconditions. While you and I were yet sinners, that's when Christ died for us. 
He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood, with his redeeming love. If you and I are going to operate in a fruit of the spirit of love, then we are not going to demand that everybody straighten up and live right and act right and fly right before we go and be the hands and feet of Jesus to them. We are going to go even in the midst of their darkness, even in the midst of their battle, even in the midst of their filth and their cursing and their abhorrent lifestyle. We are going to go because God did not put preconditions on us. He sent forth his one and only son whom he loved into this world that he loved that we might be given the opportunity for eternal life. And if you're going to operate in the fruit of the spirit of love, then you are going to have to be a person of thick skin, tender heart, but thick skin, realizing that people are going to mistreat you. People are going to lie about you. People are going to abuse and take advantage of you. But the God kind of love doesn't say clean up your act first. The God kind of love reaches out beyond the scope of human limitations. And this is the kind of love that is a fruit of the spirit. Let's look at joy. Joy as a fruit of the spirit is beyond happiness because happiness is created when things turn out well for us. Happiness is, is a, an experience that I get when my Bengals win on Sunday afternoon. Who day? Any Bengals fans in the room? Come on. It's okay. We can who day in church. That's all right. You're a fan of another team. I'm sorry. Everybody can't be first. That's all right. But happiness is a result of things turning out well in our favor. That's not a fruit of the Spirit. You'll never find where happiness is ever a fruit of the Spirit, but joy is. Joy is something that is internal. Joy is deeper. I think that the song had it right. I've got the joy, joy, joy where? Down in my heart. See, it's something that, that is on the inside. It's internal. True joy is a result of a right relationship with God. Knowing where you stand with God will produce a joy that maybe your face on the outside isn't happy, but on the inside, your heart is filled with joy. It doesn't say that happiness is your strength. It says the joy of the Lord, that is what makes me strong. That is my strength. If you need a little bit of strength today, just tap into the vine and receive some of the joy of the Lord. He will make you strong. Peace. Peace means that Everything that can be good in relationships. So all of us have been in relationships where something just seems to have the symmetry, right? It just seems to be the, the right flow, the right feel. And then you've been in some relationships where it just feels a little prickly and like, Ugh, I don't know, it doesn't feel good. So this, this term of peace, a fruit of the spirit of peace means harmony. How many would like to just walk in some harmony in your, in your life? <laughs> Safety. Order. You know, we serve a God of order. He stepped into chaos and he made order, harmony, peace. The peace of God will bring rest, even in the midst of being tired, even in the midst of working hard. The peace of God as a fruit of the spirit will bring a contentment. You ever get to the end of a day and you look out at all you've done and realize there's still a lot more left to do? You ever get to the end of the day and there's more work than there is day <laughs> and you realize, wow, I've got a big day ahead of me tomorrow. But peace as a fruit of the spirit will give you a contentment to say, it's okay. That work will wait until tomorrow. I am going to rest in God. I'm going to commit the works of my hands to God and let today be enough for today. 
I'm not going to borrow troubles for tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of itself. It will wait, it'll be there. And if I don't wake up, then I'll just be in the presence of God and I'll be at true peace in that case. And that's all right too. It is a contentment in God. This is peace as a fruit of the Spirit. You ever been around a person who is grounded in peace? There is something so calming, so inviting, so welcoming about a person who walks with the peace of God on their life. It is a fruit of the Spirit. Patience. Now let's skip that one. That's a bad word. Let's not do that one. Let's go to the next one. Patience has been said as a virtue. We live in a culture, we live in a day and age where people are not very patient, especially with one another, even, I hate to say it, in the church. Patience is a fruit of the Spirit. Now, this fruit of the Spirit would be very easy to pass off as, well, that's something that you just contained yourself when you really wanted to be anxious. No, patience, as defined here in the fruit of the Spirit, is to long suffer when being mistreated or abused, persecuted for righteousness sake. Are you patient when things don't work out for you in spiritual terms? Are you patient when you don't get your way when it comes to the things you think you deserve with God? Most of us are not. But it is a fruit of the Spirit to be patient, long-suffering, even when being persecuted even when being abused. You think of some of the great saints of old, some of the people who have, who have lived in our lifetime that just exhibit such a, a grace under fire. Someone like Mother Teresa, who had nothing, gave it all to the poor, was continually spent and poured out for other people. You think of a, a humble servant like a Billy Graham, who over the decades regardless of what the media was saying, regardless of the the jeers or the cheers, just had this calm patience that he was plodding along. I'll I'll never forget one of his last interviews with uh, Larry King. As he's sitting there and they take a commercial break, Larry said, I'm gonna ask you uh, one of the most important questions when we get back from commercial break. And he said, go ahead. And so they took the break, they came back and Larry King looked at Billy Graham and he said, the doctor, Reverend Billy Graham, preached to millions and seen people saved worldwide. What are you going to say, Billy Graham, when you stand before God in eternity and he welcomes you into heaven? And Billy Graham bowed his head, looked at Larry King back up, and he said, I will just be so grateful to have arrived there, to be welcome there. Wow. All the accolades, all the badges, all the the great things. But he had a patience of long-suffering in his life. Kindness. This is much more than just being nice. This is being kind. It's maintaining an integrity. Uh, You know, the Bible never tells us ever to be nice. Did you know that? There's no place in the Bible where it tells you, now be nice. Never. It's not there. You know... (laughs) Now, that's not a license to be mean, okay? The preacher said I can be, no, no. But the Bible doesn't tell us to be nice. You ever get behind that that, that mom and child in the grocery store? I know a lot of my analogies are the grocery store. I like to eat, okay? I'm sorry, I like to eat. It's either a restaurant or a grocery store, okay? 
But you ever get behind that mom and that child and, and that little kid turns around and you just, you're waiting because they're going to say something that's a doozy. I mean, it's great, right? And that little kid looks at that lady and says, hey, lady, your hair's ugly and your clothes don't match. And what's the mom say? That's not nice. But it might be true. <laughs> Kindness is actually truth telling. You know that? The Bible doesn't tell us to be nice. The, Bi the Bible tells us to be kind. And kindness is truth-telling. And so when we are being uh, true to the moral standards according to God's word, sometimes we will offend somebody and it won't feel like we're being very nice, but we're really being kind because we are con confronting with the truth of God an abhorrent or a bad behavior that is going to land somebody in a world of hurt. That is being kind. Warning somebody that, hey, just ahead, there's a bridge out. That's being kind. Now, you can be nice and say, oh, don't, don't use your brakes. Just go ahead and drive as fast as you want. No, warn them. There is trouble ahead. Anytime in God's word that we see a no, it's not because God is trying to steal our joy or to rob us from some kind of fun. Anytime we see in God's word where he says no, it's for the purpose of, I don't want you to hurt yourself. God says no because he's kind. Yep. It is the goodness and the kindness of a loving God who would correct us and direct us so that we might be in the place of life flow, so that we might be connected to the vine. Goodness. Goodness is doing what's right even when it's hard and even when it hurts somebody. Yep. A good doctor will go ahead and schedule the surgery to put you under the knife to cut out something that has metastasized or has gone wrong, a good doctor will get to the root of the problem. Even though it will hurt you in the short run, it will benefit you in the long run. We serve a good, good father. And so he does what is good for us, not what we always like, because pruning is actually good for the branch. From the casual observer looking at the outside, they think, ooh, that, that tor terrible gardener. He's out there just hacking all the, the, the branches off of that tree. No, he's pruning it with precision so that it will grow back better, so that it will have more fruit, that it might have much fruit, that it will be abundant. That is the goodness of God in our lives. Gentleness. Now, the Greek word for gentleness is pretos. And there actually is no English translation for this word. So being that there's no English translation, the word gentleness is most closely aligned with meekness. That's pretty close. But the word really means to submit to God and his correction without disputing and without resisting. How many can use a little bit of work in that area? Don't raise your hand, I'll raise mine. I can use a little work in that area. To submit to God, gentleness is submitting to God in his correction without disputing and without grumbling. Knowing that sometimes I'm going through a purging. I'm going through a pruning. Sometimes the good, good father has to come and do something that doesn't feel good in the short run so that it has a better long-term benefit for me. And that is a fruit of the spirit. And you, like a tree, are bearing these fruit in your life.
the Spirit will develop and produce and grow these fruit in your life. Now, the problem is many of us, we shake our branches when we don't like the fruit that we see growing or we don't like the effect or what's happening or that fruit gets a little bit heavy. When you start to, to walk through a gentleness of a time of surrendering to God in, in moments of correction, that fruit, even though it's growing, it's hard to bear. Anybody want to testify? It's hard to bear. It's hard to bear with kindness. It's hard to bear with love, to be a joyful person. These things are difficult to bear. When you bear a lot of fruit on a branch, what happens to the branch? It starts to sag. That branch needs more sustenance and more strength to put more fruit on it. It has to go higher up in the tree. It has to grow larger in diameter. It has to grow stronger, which means it's going to take more nutrients out of the vine. But I'm going to share some good gospel news with you. There's plenty of nutrients. There's plenty of food in the vine. If you stay connected to Jesus, then you can bear fruit and much fruit for God. Amen. He has all the supply that you need. And here's the last one. Self-control. Self-control. This one can only be exhibited through strength. A robust power a mastery, a restraint. You ever had someone that you really admire their self-control? That who being presented with the extra piece of chocolate cake, they say, no, I've never been that person. I'm like, let me pray about it. Yes, the Lord said yes. This is a form of mastery. Self-control takes strength. It takes an internal constitution of denial, of saying no to what is good in the short run so that I say yes to what is better in the long run. Do you see a theme running through these fruit? Do you see something that is continuously running through here? Is that there is a form of self-denial to every single one of them. It would be much easier for me to be nice to tell everybody what they want to hear, to tickle the ears, to never be controversial than to be kind and to be good and to say, thus saith the word of God. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. It's controversial, but it's true nonetheless. Amen. Now, I could just be nice. I could just give platitudes, but there is a self-denial to say, you know what? I may not be the most popular person on stage with people, but I'd rather be known by God than known by man. Because one day I will stand before God and give account for the deeds that I have done in this body and in this life, for the opportunities that I have had to declare the full counsel of God and whether or not I discharged that duty well or I took the nice path and just didn't want to ruffle any feathers. See, there's always that tension, isn't there? There's always that temptation. Oh, just don't quite go that far, preacher. Someone tell you, I've got, I'm gonna invite some new people to church next week now. I hope everything just is kind of calm and easy and good, right? You invite somebody to church, that's probably the Sunday where something's gonna happen that's gonna make you a little uncomfortable. It usually happens that way. Now we can be nice or we can operate in the fruit of the spirit of kindness and be lined up with the integrity of moral conviction, moral guidelines in our life. And we are to bear these fruit as though they're growing in our lives. 
Look at John 15, verses 7 and 8. I'm going to skip along here just a minute here, media. Uh, John 15, 7 and 8. It says, if you abide in me and, so this is an if and statement. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this, my father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so prove to be my disciples. There's two conditions for this. It's an if and statement. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you remain in me, if you stay connected to the vine, then life comes through you and fruit is produced. And if you abide in me and my word abides in you, then you will ask anything you want, it will be done for you. Now, it's real easy to lift this out of context and say, well, the Bible tells me I can ask anything I want. Lord, I want one of those new Tesla cyber trucks, right? I want one. I desire it. That's what I desire. No, that's a wrong desire. That's a, a misplaced desire. It might be totally fine for you to have one, but when your life is purified by abiding in the vine, then your desires are in the right place. God doesn't care what you have. Any of your possessions, God doesn't care as long as your possessions don't have you. Amen. And when you're connected to your possessions, then what's going to happen is that they tend to not satisfy. And then you need a bigger one. And then you have to build a barn for all the toys. And then there's more taxes. And then there's more money. And now you got to work harder. Instead of uh, being off on the weekends, now you have to work on the weekends so you can supply for, you see, it's just a domino effect of things. God doesn't care what you have. As long as what you have doesn't have you. And if you're connected to the vine, then your desires are going to be in the appropriate place. They're going to be in the right direction. And then when your desires are rooted in God, you can ask anything you want. Lord, it is my desire that all of my family would know you and every one of my household would be saved. That's a good desire. God, it's my desire that there would not be anyone who would walk in to a Sunday morning service at any of the churches in our area and walk out worse than they came in. God, it's my desire that every VBS that I see happening in this entire community will be packed full of kids hearing the gospel and the good news. There's no competition in vacation Bible school. This is for whosoever will. Lord, I want every one of them to do great. There's only one set of pictures that I think I will like or love every single time I come across it. I don't care where it's at. Every time that any of my friends ever post a baptism picture, I want to be the first person to like it. I don't care where they go to church. I want to be the first person. Why? Because that's new life. That's someone being connected to the vine. That is what is the result of a changed life. Thanks be to God that when we are connected to the vine, our desires are in the right place. And here it says that we can ask anything that we wish and it will be done for us that our father is glorified. Abiding is a posture that purifies desire. Much fruit brings glory to God. I'll close with this. I'm gonna ask you a question. How are you faring in fruit bearing? How are you faring in fruit bearing? How are you doing in bearing fruit for God? Not producing it, not creating it, because we can get under condemnation if we look around and we say, oh, my life, I, I don't have very much fruit. Well, but do you have any fruit? Because if you have some fruit, then you're on the right path. 
Well, but I'm just not as gifted as she is. I'm just not as talented as, as, as they are. I, I don't have the, the right kind of, of uh, connections that they have. Well, if you have any fruit in your life, then you are a prime candidate for having connected to that vine and the vine dresser to come and to do the work that only he can do to produce more fruit. If you have one fruit, if you're a, a one talent person, then bless God, you can do something with one talent. You can do something with that. God can use that. God can work it. If you look at your life and you're really hard pressed to come up with anything that's bearing in your life, any, any fruit bearing in your life, then I would just ask you to check the connection. What are you connected to? What is giving you life? What brings you the greatest satisfaction and joy? Is it getting paid on Friday so you can have a great weekend, but then you dredge and dread every Monday? Well, you're not connected to the right thing. I'm not saying that I'm always the happiest person on Monday either, but I do know the joy of the Lord is my strength. And if I'm not feeling so good today, I'll just wait a little while. I'll get in his word. I'll stay connected to the vine because if I find that myself, my life and my heart is a little bit sullen and sad, it may be that I need to check the connection. It's been a while since I've connected to the vine. Yeah, it happens even for the preacher. I need to reconnect to the vine. With heads bowed and no one looking around, I just wonder, I want to ask you, how are you faring with fruit bearing? Is it time to check the connection? Do you need to do a little inventory today? A spiritual inventory, a fruit summary of your life? Have you been tricked into thinking that you somehow have to produce the fruit? Let's rid ourselves of that thinking and let's just stay connected to the vine. Let's check that connection and allow the life-giving flow of God's precious spirit come through us develop and make that fruit. And let us, let our prayer be that we wanna be a willing vessel to bear the fruit of God. Father, today, for everyone who is checking their connection right now with you, my prayer is that you would identify to each and every one of us something that we can bear for you. We may not be an eight fruit kind of a person, but if we just have one or two or three on our tree, then I pray, God, that you would help us to bear that fruit which you've blessed us with, that we would stay connected to the vine as we check our connection today. And we need to be reconnected or we need to deeper connect that we would do that through Jesus' name. God, thank you for sending your son Jesus to die in our place, to rise on the third day that we might also enjoy resurrection life and we might be connected to this vine, bearing the fruit of God, in Jesus' name.